Hi, John. Hey, Nicole. You ready? Mm Hmm. I'm Nicole Mears. I'm John Davis. And this is our podcast, Shape the Conversation. Nicole and I work together here with the great team at Shape.io in beautiful Bend, Oregon. And we left jobs at agencies as marketers to build software for digital advertising teams. So we'll be talking about growing shape, business, entrepreneurship, marketing in general. Yeah, we've had some great guests. We're working on getting some more into the flow over the coming weeks. And uh, we've taken on topics from looking at Facebook and its struggles over the last few months PR-wise to breaking down Google's business. Our software shape is really focused on selling to marketers, so we think about marketing a lot. And then we tend to, whatever we're talking about, probably work marketing in there um, a little bit. And this week's topic, Nicole, is? It's really about finding your target audience. So as John said, we're a business. We need to have people to market our business to and to sell a product. And so really it's, you know, whether you're in SaaS or whether you're in any kind of service or you know, any industry, really, when you're launching, creating, and building a business, you need to identify who you're going after, who you're selling this product to. And so we'll talk about a lot of things. How do you figure out who they are? How do you figure out that you actually have a market you can sell to? How do you do it when you're like us, when you don't have a massive budget to go have, you know, someone do all this market and competitive research for you? Yeah. And I think there's a lot of ways too, that even if you're working within an existing company that's looking to launch a new product offering or a new service, or even just a new marketing effort, anything kind of trying to evaluate what is out there, what the opportunity is, something that you'll always get asked by advisors, where who's your target market? Who are are you trying to market to? And there's lots of different frameworks that you can use to think about that. Nicole and I are going to talk about from the perspectives of me when I was getting shape started with a couple of the co-founders here, how we thought about target market. Like, should we even start the company? Was there a big enough of a market there that we could actually feel like we could talk to in enough time before we ran out of money (laughs) that enough people wanted to buy our product? Nicole has been a product manager within a larger organization that kind of launching new features and thinking about, okay, who's the target market for this feature, how they, how you go about it in a lot more of a structured mindset. I'll say Nicole is definitely more of a structured thinker than me. Her approach is very framework driven. And I think when her background in product working in a bigger company, it's natural that that is the case. I, you know, kind of on the startup and the, you know, working out of the house, just getting it going, no customers yet was a little bit more fly by the seat of the pants when it comes to product decisions and thinking about uh, the target market and who I was going to market to. And I tried to keep it really simple. So I think there's a couple places where Nicole and I disagree too on how to you know determine who that is or, or what your target market is, or even how you talk about them. And The way I personally thought about target market when we were getting shape started was it was pretty easy because I was one of them. I was the target market. And I think this is the case for a lot of companies and is sort of a a little bit of a cheat code you can use to kind of go around a lot of this hard work that we're going to talk about that it really takes to nail down your target market and figure out who they are. If you are the target market, 
then you've got a little bit more insights there that that can help you and help you ultimately market to them. But, you know, how you talk about that is also something too. So, you know, do you like looking at target market when it comes to demographics? Like, do you think about target market as 18 to 34, male, blah, blah, blah? Or how, how do you nail down a target market when you're trying to, to think about it? I feel like John is purposely leading me into I'm this question so that he can it. disagree with me. So a big thing that was drilled into my head when I started learning product management was user personas, right? And so I was lucky enough to start in product management with a very specific couple departments at that company where I was in charge of helping, you know, drive product innovation. And I will say I came in as a baby product manager with no experience. So it was a headache and a half to try to have to to pick that all up. But one of the things that I was I had before me was a very established user base with lots of information about them in our various, you know, CRMs and and things like that. And so I you know, I couldn't analyze thousands of clients, but I took subsections. I looked at, you know, what are the most common psychographic, demographic, you know, things like job titles, things like all of that. Psychographics, I got what I could off of, you know, products like Facebook's ad platform. You can, you know, implement a list and kind of figure out what are their most common interests. Now, that kind of goes outside of, you know, necessarily how I was developing product, but trying to get those user personas, I kind of used whatever I had at my fingertips for that. And then, built from there. I I took whatever I could because honestly, even having the resources that I had at my fingertips, we were expected to do, you know, have very strong market customer research, but we didn't have the budget for it even there. So it was kind of, it was a little bit scrappy. Yeah. It's tricky. What you're trying to do is almost assess, okay, is there enough of a market within our current customer base that's going to use this new feature, this new whatever. We've been there before. And that that's a an important part of feature development, marketing. Hey, we think 20% of our customer base will really respond well to this type of announcement about our new product. Even segmenting your current customer base is an important thing. And I think the way you went about it is important. You learned as much about them as you can. Well, I think the other thing that I wish I would have had more access to. And it might have been, I mean, I knew the the technology stack, so I don't know why this was not kind of something in my consideration, but I actually use it heavily now is, and we've talked about this before, looking at kind of the jobs to be done or the, the issues that they had most common. So people in support tickets, you know, when I was in product management would have all these issues that, you know, you can look at and analyze and see, okay, what are the most common things that are doing? What are the jobs that they need to solve that they may not necessarily be kind of aware of, like they're reporting one issue, but really the bigger picture is that they need, you know, software that'll better help them do X or Y. So that's also one of the things that I wish, sorry, I'm kind of, you know, going future and past right here, but like I actually use that heavily now. Jobs Um, to be done, that framework. That to be done, but also like the resources that you have available to you like Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, definitely. And that's one of the, Big mistakes I think people get a little bit trapped into when they start thinking about target markets, whether it's on the product side or whether it's developing a marketing strategy. One of the most common things I think people develop is marketing personas of Mm -hmm. a customer or a prospect. So 
you know, Annie the analyst has a problem delivering Google Analytics reports on a monthly basis. Annie is 27. She went to an Ivy League school. She's really introspective, blah, 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 you know, and they, or Dan, the auto dealer who has these probably, you'll see these examples in across all business books, all sorts of businesses. If you have a pizza shop, Steve the stoner comes in and he likes your pizza because it's a certain ingredient. Every You'll see all these personas and these things online that you can fill out that help you build these personas. But I never responded as well to those because I working in the internet, working in digital, I saw all sorts of different types of people performing jobs and actions and, and solving problems. And that's why when I thought about target market and really getting shape started or looking at from that perspective, what I tried to focus on more was the problems people are solving and the problem of your market. They say, don't fall in love with like your app or your solution or your service, fall in love with the problem you're trying to solve. And that is what I like framing it that way. I think you can use demographics and a lot of those things to help still formulate that deeper strategy. But I think thinking about the problems they're trying to solve and the job there to be done is is the way I like to think about developing a target market. I think that's that's fair. That's fair criticism of the, the kind of user persona. What I will say is kind of I did go off on a tangent previously and started getting down in the product <laughs> management path. But what I also used user profiles for is to say, okay, yes, you know, I wasn't in product marketing at that point. Like I was not going to be doing the marketing, but I was like, okay, these are our most common users. These are the most common traits. So where do they hang out? What Mm -hmm. do they do? Who are these people? And then go and look at the different areas, places, you know, they hang out, things they're saying. And then that expands the audience further. Because I will say this, I, as did, you know, the other product management people, we were constantly asked, like, what is the available market? Mm-hmm. And so you, like, just looking at your your existing user personas, it's like, great, okay, you can develop this feature and it's going to make your customer base happy, which, yes, retention is a big thing. But if you're really thinking about product, like forward-thinking product development, you have to be looking and thinking about products that are going to hopefully either open you up to a new market or open your existing potential customer base so your you know your customer base and prospects yeah. to spending more with you yeah at least from a very revenue driven standpoint right like there you get into the whole i do like creating those customer profiles or kind of like demographics around what your customer look like for that purpose of determining your total addressable market mm-hmm. it is helpful to know somebody's title if you know they tend to have the problem you're trying to solve is this title, then you can go to LinkedIn, search, are there 10,000 people with that title or are there 1,000 people with that title? And taking a step back, I think a lot of the research and thinking about your target market and who it is and, and how you're going to address them, it helps you from making a lot of mistakes and doing a lot of work and building products that nobody ends up using. So Let's talk about a few of the signs or red flags you might look at if you're doing some of this initial research into is my target market big enough or whatever that that would give you some signs of pause. For me, if I look at 
my thought process when we were in really early stage startup mode and I was before fundraising trying to think about, okay, is this a, a big enough idea is kind of what you're, tra- you're trying to consider. I really personalized it. And honestly, this is one of the things that got beat up for the most when I was trying to raise funding out with investors and stuff is I couldn't really clearly define what that market was because I I wasn't sure how many other people in the world made their living like me writing ads for Google and and Facebook and these places. Was it tens of thousands? Was it hundreds of thousands? You're never going to have definitive answers a lot of times for a lot of your target market or where they are. It's really hard to get that data. You can get some directional stuff. But for me, I knew when I dug in and I looked on LinkedIn, I felt confident that there was at least 20,000 people on earth like me at this time in 2013 that did roughly the type of job that I did. Their day-to-day was thinking about putting ads on Google, essentially. And for me, that I felt like, okay, if I can sell 1% of them, that's a good enough start. You know, that that's something that's a big enough target market for me to address. I was really conservative with it. What would have given me some cause for pause would have been like if I was out there and there's maybe like 800, mm-hmm. you know, then you've got to do some really hard thinking about your price point. Like, okay, do are the 800 people out there like me? In the, in the software as a service world, you kind of have the whole world is opened up to you. Is there enough people that can afford X that make it worth it? If you're more of a local business, you really need to think about that. If your target market is people in this neighborhood running their daily errands to the market and you're thinking about you know the size of your target audience potentially there, you need to really think hard about what size is that and you need to do your best to look at that because then you're taking the total addressable market in the best case scenario, you're maybe only going to get 20, 25% total market share. Mm-hmm. You know, only mon- big monster companies really solve that. And if you're local, you're still only going to get a part of that. So you, volume is one of the biggest things, I think, of, in terms of red flags you need to be aware of when you're trying to assess the opportunity that exists in a target market and define that target market. Yeah, I've, I've got two, but I'm actually going to, well... I mean, one, including a follow-up to what I'm going to say right here. But I also think that if your target market is everyone on this earth and you are not someone like Amazon or – I mean, even Amazon is target market is in the entire world. You need to be seriously worried because you are too broad. There's no way in heck (laughs) that you were going to be able to uh, approach that audience and scale – Unless, I mean, unless At least you have initially. the most unicorn of all unicorn products, and I hate the unicorn term unicorn, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Um, yeah, at least initially, yeah. you know, Facebook now is is a technology that touches, you know, billions of people, but at the start, it was a yearbook for Harvard. You know, like there, there's middle ground. If you want to start a pizza chain that takes over America, you're probably gonna have to start with that first location. And I think that's a good way to think about target markets too, is there's there's definitely ways to expand out, but you need to try to at least start if you're in a startup or starting something new, pick that target market where you have the greatest chance of success and, and laser focus on that because you're gonna learn from that and be able to expand out. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I think you need to be really careful about is whether kind of the industry or, you know, kind of, if you're creating a brand new product, you can't necessarily get to where I'm going to go with this thought. But if the overall industry or the overall trend that you are trying to go into and kind of disrupt is on a significant decline, 
you need to be extremely careful about going into that market. So some of the things that you think of as like traditional media, right? Like if I'm really going to go in and, and disrupt the like mail flyer industry, mm-hmm. not only do I have to have a really strong product, because I mean, if you look at the trend of overall, like the, the popularity and the allocation of budget, it's going down, not up. Yeah. Ultimately, I mean, I, I think you would want to hope that it's going up unless you really feel like even with the decline, there's enough available people, there's enough available money that you can you can be successful. And, and rarely do I find that's the case. Yeah, and I think if you have to do a lot of work to kind of determine the size of that market and if it if you're kind of talking yourself into making it bigger and bigger and bigger, that just needs to affect your goals with the project. You know, you may be, you're not going to be successful if you have a target market of 10,000 people that all can only say for whatever you're trying to sell, they can only afford 50 bucks a month or that's the budget for those 10,000. The, the cap and the, the ceiling on your company or startup or endeavor is very limited. So you need to adjust from the outset. I looked at our opportunity early on. We're a B2B, pretty focused niche type play. We didn't have a story through the investment process that was we're going to be a $200 billion company within three years because our market just didn't indicate that. So we had to adjust our pitch. We had to uh, ask for less money. You know, we raised $300,000 where other companies that may have bigger visions, they couldn't do anything with $300,000. But we had a a focused target market that we knew had available budget to spend. We knew we could supplement the initial investment with customer revenues. We knew we didn't need a gigantic marketing budget to go reach 3 million people because I thought there was only maybe 20,000 people like me at the time back then. I think there's a bunch more now and there's probably even a bunch more then. But you can adjust your goals at the outset by doing that hard work on thinking about your target market. And one of the hardest things to do is going to be really honest with yourself. Chances are you're doing this research and you're looking at a new thing because it's like your idea or something you're passionate about or something you want to see your company take on. And it could be disheartening and tough to see when you go to dig through the customer feedback or you go to dig through the the scope of the problem and it's not as big as you think. So you got to be aware of that and just adjust your goals based on it. If there's only 500 companies you can sell to, maybe you can make that a business, but probably not that big of one, depending upon the price point. So for me, that's where it's really target market. Thinking about how you define it is super important because it really changes the goals and the type of resources you need to put into whatever project you're taking on. I mean... You know, kind of on the flip side from those big red flags, are there any things that you did while you were doing customer research, market research that was that was a green flag? Like that was like, yes, this is exciting or, or this was a great source of, you know, information about my audience. This is really like helping me gain confidence that this is who I go after. Yeah. And I did get some of that kind of information and it came from not broad research, but talking to people, mm-hmm. doing customer development getting out there and it was finding common trends. You know, things that excited me was digital marketers talking about budgeting issues, budget pacing issues, scaling issues they had handling a bunch of clients. I would hear my own beliefs validated from other people when I asked pretty open-ended questions. For me, talking to your target market, having them 
validate your beliefs is one of the strongest confirmations you can get from where you're going. If that comes from a very unprompted question, like, hey, if you had a magic wand and could do anything in the world and they describe that, great. When when I was kind of going through my lean startup education, they they would always say, if you if you ask somebody like, hey, take a magic wand and, and what are the three to five problems you could solve with this magic wand, describe them to me, and they don't describe any of those problems you're trying to solve with your product, you're in big trouble if these are the people you've determined as your target market. So back to the red flag, that would be one of the things I look at as a red flag would be, okay, I've talked to 50 people in the target market. My The problem I'm trying to solve is only in the top three for 10% of those people. You need to be really worried. Yeah, I was absolutely going to say, you know, bias, leading people into hearing the product that you want to develop is mm-hmm. their biggest problem is, the, is I think one of the hardest things not to you have to back yourself out and just stay as completely general with that line of questioning. I found that in a bigger company. I found that in here. Was there anywhere in particular that you found was a great, I mean, and this is very specific to PPC, so maybe this yeah. isn't applicable, but was it like, Reddit and Twitter that you were talking to people. Were you getting out and talking to people in the in town? Like what? Yeah. How do you find those? How did you find those customers or those potential customers to talk to? Yeah, I think you can. People are worried about scaling too often. I think early on, and they they make it too hard on themselves. They instead of just going on LinkedIn, direct messaging some people, talking to some people. I I cold, you know, LinkedIn message people basically like hey. I'm a PPC analyst too. I'm working on this software. Would love to get your feedback. Do you have 10 minutes for a call? Or I'd leverage current connections. Anybody that can talk to you that you have a theory that they would buy from you or they you know, get coffee at the same coffee pot at the company from somebody that would buy from you, as close as you can get to somebody that you think is in your target market, you need to work your, work your way there. And really just get your way in front of people. But people are hesitant to get on a call. I think it's harder than ever. So it's not easy to talk to 20, 30 people that it might be in your target market. No, it's not. So my other kind of question with this too, because I'm so interested in it because I wasn't here during this initial phase is, so you built a free trial of the product, right? Do you feel like that was more of like even still market research, like, hey, you know, I feel confident enough. We're going to put this out there. We're going to see how the market responds and then go from there. Or do you feel like, no, 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 you know, the market, the competitive analysis, the customer analysis was separate. That's not validation. That's that's us, you know, moving from step A to step B. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I viewed the free trial as the ultimate test if people saw the world the same way I did. So... I, I viewed it as, hey, if you get on this free trial and you see the same way I saw that this could solve my problems, that's the ultimate light bulb that's going on within somebody's head that's going to be better than any sales call, that's going to be better than you know any blog post they potentially read. If they're actually in there using the product, testing it out. Definitely, that was used as customer research. You know, the more people that are target market research, the more you you could see the people that used the free trial and then kind of faded away. You could see the people that I had talked to during this free trial, during the beta phase. It was like, hey, we're going to be releasing in two months. Would love for you to check it out. Does this sound like something you'd use? Oh, yeah, definitely. Blah, blah, blah. Then you give them the free trial a week later. It doesn't work for some unforeseen reason that you, you just can't tell until you get it 
into somebody's hands. So it's the ultimate test of if you actually have a target market. And it's the ultimate test of, in my case, it was a, a product I wanted to see exist in the world. It was very much an expression of what uh, a type of product I wanted to see. And the ultimate way to validate that to investors and developers we were working with and other people on the team I felt at that time was to release a free product to the market and see if people actually used it. And they did. And they did. Yeah. We're still here. Yeah. And then along the way, you've got to make it a habit, though. You keep talking to your target market. Has it changed? Are there different people within the organization that are buying from you? You can use it to continually feed that product development. And we look at it all the time now when we're looking at new features. Like, okay, is this a feature that we're primarily hoping 50% of our current customer base uses? Or is this a feature we think some target market we haven't attacked yet? it you know, might be looking at using. And I think it's definitely worth taking the two, three, four weeks, months, whatever it's going to take for this new endeavor to kind of figure out, okay, is there an audience for it? Is it big enough? Is the audience the size where we have to charge a million dollars a year <laughs> to make this thing work? Or is it big enough that we can actually charge a price point and we feel like we can get enough people to the blog to make it make sense. So pinning down, define that target market as best you can, being honest about it with yourself and setting your goals around that, I think are really important things to be focused on, whether you're working within a company or starting something from scratch. I think that's the perfect place to end. All right. This has been Shape the Conversation. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe, check out all the information, blog.shape.io slash podcast. We love to hear from you guys. Shout out to, I believe it was Per Paul, our newest review. Thank you. Okay. We Thanks, appreciate Purpal. that. Paul. There you go. Sorry if I misquoted or missed your name. <laughs> and uh, okay, till next time, over and out from Bend, Oregon. Mm-hmm.